Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. We are here today to talk about seminars. Uh, it comes up on a regular basis. You're sitting around a table at a conference and talking about what are you doing to grow. Um, and generally, there's that one guy at the table that says he's the one that's figured out how to make seminars work. And then the other five or six are there to tell him why it doesn't work. <laughs> so we're going to have that conversation today uh, because uh, Jim, Greg, and Brad have all found ways to successfully do ongoing uh, prospective client seminars and grow their businesses that way. And I never have. Um, and candidly, I've made it as long as I have without doing them and um, have never found a way to feel good about it. And these three are going to teach me why I'm wrong. Uh, so I look forward to this conversation today. So be ready to have an open mind and hear more about seminars. So uh, let's start with, uh, in the order they show up on my screen anyway, Jim, uh, you go first. Tell us what you've done as far as seminars and how it fits into your growth plan. Well, you are completely missing out on a ton of opportunity, Jeff, even with your existing clients, whether you're going to do them with your existing clients or you're going to do them with your existing prospects or new prospects. But I've done every seminar under under the moon, whether that's an FMT, whether that's a passport to retirement, social security, tax seminars, dinner workshops. I think the key to seminars is find one that you like and that you think will attract your target audience and then just do a bunch of them. Get really good at the craft do a lot of them. I, I've uh, I've zeroed in on social security. I love talking about social security. I know the sweet spot of my clients, what I'm looking for from a net worth perspective. Social security workshops draw them out. I get to be an educator. Uh, we are not there to sell anything when we're when we're doing it. It's just I think that I think what sells in a seminar is um, is just a great conversation with people and being approachable and being a subject matter expert and not selling things. This, these are not sell systems. These are, these are an opportunity for you to get in front of prospects and showcase your expertise and your firm. So Jeff, I, I, think, you, uh, I think you need to come out and visit with me and watch me do a social security workshop. It's going to bore you to death, uh, <laughs> but you will, uh, you will figure out there is a way to create and add another 10 or $20 million a year to your business. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take you up on that. So we'll come back to that. I'm, I've got questions for you. So Greg, tell us how seminars fit into your growth plan. Yeah. Uh, so the one thing I'll, I'll back up a minute, as far as seminars are concerned, I mean, if you are terrified of public speaking, maybe seminars are not going to be for you. You kind of have to enjoy like- isn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to enjoy, like Jim said, the subject matter. Uh, Jim does really good at social security. Uh, other, you know, other people talk about general uh, retirement planning. Whatever it may be, you have to really like the topic and enjoy talking about whatever the topic may be. It, people can tell, you know, your enthusiasm and really it gives the, the seminars where I've had really, really good success is the people like your personality. They like how you present. They like how you educate, like Jim said. 
And it's just a natural, okay, we've kind of gotten a feel for the presenter. We like what they have to say. We're interested in meeting with them and getting a second opinion. So you're, you also have to have realistic expectations for seminars. Not every seminar, you're going to knock it out of the park. I've had many seminars where I get zero business out of it um, over the years, right? It, it's, uh, but, but many more where I get plenty of business, plenty of new business out of it. Um, you're going to have a, you know, a lot of people book meetings uh, as the result of a seminar, but not all of them are going to become clients. So you, again, it's all about expectations and going into it with, uh, I guess, a, an open mind. So, okay. All right. And Brad, tell, tell me, what, what have you done for seminars and how does that fit into your business? Well, the seminars I do are, are targeted towards my niche. Um, but something that I think Jim was kind of getting at, I, I view seminars as an opportunity to let the people, the prospects in the audience get to know me. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's not like Jim said, there's, there's no sales to it. In fact, I don't even do any seminars that are, are related to investments. I'll, I'll do uh, I do a pension seminar. I think social security it really doesn't matter, but I, I think it's a chance for, for it to, for them to allow themselves to no longer be cold prospects to you and get to know you. So that's what I focus on is, is, personality, get them to laugh, hopefully get to talk to at least for a minute or two, as many people as you can. Um, I'm kind of curious as how, um, Jim and Greg, how are you guys filling seats? Dollar bills. Yeah. You got to pay for it. Um, I think there's, I think there's two ways, uh, or there could be three. If you've got, um, if you've got existing clients or a list of prospects, that's a great place to, uh, to start. But again, you probably have the wallet share of your clients, although that's a great value add and client service. Um, mm-hmm. But generally speaking, the, the two biggest ways are going to be a mail house for me. So we're going to go to one of the big mail houses. We're going to mail out an invitation. Generally, look, you're going to be mailing uh, you know, five to 10,000 pieces of mail. So this is not an inexpensive endeavor. You're going to mail these out. Uh, and you're going to get a tiny response rate. The mail houses are going to lie. They're going to tell you you're going to get 3% of the people are going to respond. It's complete baloney. You're really going to get like half a percent. So you're going to mail 10,000 invites and you're going to get 20 people a night or some variation of that. Um, The other way to do it is there's companies out there that will actually fill the room for you and charge you based upon attendee. Uh, They can be good or bad depending upon how you want to do it. But the most important thing I think Greg, Greg alluded to was uh, have a budget and stick to it and then do it for a period of time. So you, this mm-hmm. is not a, th- th- like everything in our business, you, it's not a one and done. You just, you're not going to go run a seminar and add $10 million. You're going to have to do it and it's going to take time for sure. But that's how we're doing it. How are you doing it, Greg? Same exact way. You know, we do keep a list of people that, you know, Hey, people that sign up for our newsletter, or maybe they're requesting resources, uh, on it from our website. Of course, we're going to you know, keep, keep a tally and keep a list of those. The one thing I learned from Jim is there's going to be, you, you need to keep a list of the people that, that the do not invite list for whatever reason, Jim can go into more and, and I grab <laughs> laughing, but you know, I'm right. Uh, there, maybe it was, uh, somebody that showed up and, uh, was not on their best behavior at the seminar. We've all had those. Uh, we could share some stories. Those were all uh, entertaining, but uh, <laughs> you need to have a do not invite list and stick to that. So you're not inviting these these same people that you don't want as clients over and over again. All right. Yeah. So I, I want to get in the weeds a little bit on that, if I can. So 
are you mailing once to five to 10,000 people or are you mailing every month for a year to the same five to 10,000 people? Yeah, good question. Um, so you're going to you're gonna try not to burn your market out. So you're not going to try to mail to the same. So let's imagine you had a, you had a hypothetical list of 10,000 people you can mail to, right? You're not going to mail to that same list month after month after month. I think there's, I think there's a point where uh, there's a diminishing return on that, on those mailers. And you begin to get to the point where it's not profitable. I don't, Greg, Greg is in a much larger market than me. So I don't think Greg, you probably never will run out of prospects, but I'm in a small market where we have, I think we have 11,000 people we can mail to. So I've got to cycle through different topics. And if I'm going to do a seminar or I can't go month after month, I've got to go every three months. Uh, but I think if you go month after month, if you're in a small market, you're going to just burn out. You're in New York City or you're in Chicago. I mean, you know, the, the world's your oyster. You can go on and on. How do you, do you feel the same way, Greg? Yeah, we, we target different zip codes. So we're going to obviously have, if we're doing it at wherever the uh, the seminar is hosted, we're, we're going to have it hosted in a, in a like 10 mile radius. And those are the people we're going to mail to. And then another part of the, the city, we're going to have another location and mail. Close. So it kind of depends on where the seminar It's It's very strategic. Uh, you don't want to have people driving 30 minutes to your seminar location. Yeah. That's it, unless, yeah so it, it's got to be well thought out uh, and you got to get your locations down. Um, Jim, we can talk about that. You don't want to have a crummy restaurant you know, uh, that, that, that people are scared to go to, or, you know, have it in the, the bad part of town. Nobody's going to go to that. So, yeah, yeah. You're not, you, you don't have to go to Ruth Chris, but you're probably not going to be fancy like Applebee's either. So you, um, you, you, you might want to, and, and if you're going to do education, it's got to be at a library, a community center or a university. It can't be, uh, it can't be something that feels salesy because people mm -hmm. do know what they're going to get into. If you're going to offer a free meal, people know there's going to be a pitch. Uh, they, they get that. Now, you probably shouldn't pitch them, um, but Greg's point is is spot on right there. You, you've got you to be really strategic about your locations. You've got to know your restaurants. You've got to train the staff. There is a whole... We, it, I wish I could have a, my operations manager on here because she handles all of this. Like now all I do is walk in, but there's a lot of things, uh, from, from the invite to, uh, nurturing the people to get them to the workshop, to making sure the event is held in the right way. And then closing that event, uh, to ensure success. Because remember every one of these workshops, I don't know. I think we're doing one right now at an Italian restaurant. We're mailing 8,500 invites and I'm pretty sure it's going to cost me five grand just to get people there. That's, that's the cost just to get them in the door. That doesn't even include the food. Uh, so, you know, you better, you better have all your, uh, all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. And I think the best thing, uh, you know, I learned from Jim, how we, you know, present seminars and, and he said he, it's almost a science of, Hey, you gotta, you gotta call and confirm each attendee that's coming to you. You have to contact these people to eliminate a lot of the no-shows and Jim has it down to a, a science. Uh, and I, I learned from him. He shared some of his system and, and when, whenever we do our, our century club mastermind, I, I'm going to really encourage Jim to kind of share that science of, of the seminars and how he's been so successful. I think so many people can learn from his experience. So and, and okay, so again, I want to get into the weeds on this. So you've sent a—is it a postcard or an envelope? What does that thing look like that you mail? And and then what's on it? What does it ask them to do? Does it drive them to a website and they put their contact information in, or how does that work? 
yes and yes. So it depends what yeah. you want to mail. Uh, you can send postcard, you send wed- wedding mail, or you send a trifold. Uh, there's a lot of, they all have different costs. Uh, the, the typical wedding style, according to the mail house, pulls better. I don't know if they make more money on that or if it actually pulls better. Um, at our education events, we use we use postcards. At our um, dinner events, we use something a little fancier to seem like it's a it's a real invite. And then it will have a phone number and an, uh, a website address to drive people to a uh, an area where they can sign up. And then there's copy on it that just kind of covers mm-hmm. what you're going to talk about. Yeah, we we use uh, you know there's a local newspaper here, like a community newspaper. We still you know especially the social security seminars, we will post that in there as well. Um, we did a social security uh, seminar last year with um, a Medicare, an independent you know Medicare specialist. They talk for thirty minutes about Medicare. We talk for thirty minutes about social security, and that had really really good attendance. Um, so from from a newspaper. Yeah, from from a newspaper. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm gonna have to get a copy of your ad on that. I've never. I, I have I've tried one time. This is we were talking before that how if you try something once and you give up, you're an idiot. And uh, I tried something once and gave up on the newspaper. So I am an idiot. So I want to <laughs> I want to learn more about that. So you're just running an ad with a phone number and driving them to the to the workshop. Yeah. And it has to be, the ad has to be, I mean, it can't be this little tiny thing, right? Like a one by one, one inch by one inch. It's got to be a bigger, and it, the location in the newspaper is is key. Um, so you kind of get what you pay for in that regard. Awesome. Greg, did you say that that was a, a social security and Medicare seminar? It was, yes. I bet that has something to do with the success because if there's a market that is still reading the newspaper, it would be the 68 up crowd. Absolutely. And there's a guy, I mean, I, I didn't come up with it on my own. There's actually a, a Medicare insurance person who does their own at a local library. And I just contacted the Medicare person we work with and say, hey, would you be an interest? Let's, let's just call the libraries and see who will have us. And uh, I, I just kind of stole the idea from that Medicare person. So it worked. It, you know, we had, I got business, they got business. Everybody was happy. So, <laughs> and so let's, Brad, let's bring you in on this while we're talking invites. So what do you do in terms of marketing, promoting and invitation? Oh, uh, so I, I get pretty lucky on this and I don't know how applicable it will be to other people, but in my market, um, <clears throat> I, I have, so I have 403B um, contracts with I don't know, more than a dozen school districts in a couple different counties. So being a benefits provider technically for them, as long as I don't abuse it, I can I can um, send communications out to all the employees in those districts. So that's actually what I do. And it's a I did do about a it's about 5000 invites, um, but I, I get it advertised to 5000 people for about four hundred dollars and change. The cost of printing a, a flyer on some brightly colored paper at Staples, and uh, and that's it. So I think you could do that if you were if you built your book around other niche uh, businesses, like I, I don't know if you had a large four hundred one k plan or something something along those lines. You could uh, you could probably go and and get the HR to let employees know as part of education that you're doing some type of, it doesn't even have to be a nighttime seminar. It could be a lunch and learn, you know, aimed directly. Mine are aimed very specifically at my state's teacher pension system. So I, you know, I know exactly who I need to advertise to and and who would want to come to it. Uh, so if I were, if I were going to do that, you know, with a, a big 401k plan, I would target it towards maybe that, that firm's benefit package. 
you know, well, maybe a lunch and learn or something like that. And um, really cuts down on the advertising costs. And so Brad, then how's it? I'm sorry. Keep going. I, I've never spent more than probably five or 600 bucks uh, to fill, you know, two nights of seminars with, you know, 25 to 40 people. And and so then how's that actually getting delivered? Is it some, is it, does it go to like their mail school? It, mail goes, to their, it, it goes to their mailbox at wherever, whatever building they work in. Yep. Okay. And so now you were talking about the 401k plan. Um, some companies I've heard have like policies on solicitation. And have any of you guys worked that and figured out that system on how that works? I think so. What I was talking about was if you were, if you had the 401k plan at say ABC, I don't know, dental group or, or medical group, right? And you were already providing that business a service. You know, put on a mini seminar at, at uh, like a lunch and learn. I forget which bro was that Ameriprise that did the lunch and learn thing. They did the, f- the, the fish bowl. Fish bowls, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you already know a big part of the benefits plan because you sold it to them. So get familiar with the rest and buy people lunch and fill up a, a room or a nearby restaurant with twenty or thirty employees and and get the other money. Yeah, there's to Brad's point. There's uh, there's people out there that um, that target a specific company. And they market wholly and exclusively to that company and do workshops around that. I, I know a guy that does that re- only on Honda. So he just, he, he, he talks to Honda employees. So he knows their pension plan as well as HR does. He yeah. holds dinner workshops and lunch and learns for them. I don't know how he markets it, but it's gotta be uh, less expensive than sending out uh, 10,000 invites like Greg and I do when we're just kind of casting a, a, an incredibly wide net, trying to find a few fish. Right. I, I had a bunch of success back in the day. I had a client who was like HR for a local company, um, would invite me in for uh, brown bag lunches, talking about retirement or whatever they wanted. Um, and I did. I got I got quite a few clients out of it until you know the owner came to the HR and said, Hey, we got to cut this off because the fit, I guess the fidelity guy from the 401k was uh saying, Well, we provide that service, and they didn't, they just <laughs> But anyway, I got the boot, so uh, it worked for a while. So, yeah, I think federal employees would be another um, another uh, option for those. There's so many of them. If you live in an area where there's federal employees, I, I think if you if you don't want to get into the seminar game where you're doing what Greg and I do, I think Brad's uh, Brad's tactics can be really advantageous depending upon your market. If you've got enough of those employees, like we, I, I looked at uh, federal employees in my market, and there's just none um, where we're at. But if you're in a if you're in an area with a, a lot of federal employees, DOD employees, or whatever, holy cow, you can uh, you, you've got an endless supply of people with TSBs and pensions and a lot of different acronyms. They have no idea what it means, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think and we get confused, not confused, but I think I know coming into this discussion, I always think like seminar, nighttime, dinner. You know, there's multiple ways to do a seminar. You know, lunch and learn is a seminar. The, you know, a, an info session at a library is a is a seminar. I think you adapt it to what you have in your in your market. You know, like the Honda guy. I mean, if I had a big Honda hub next to me with ten or twenty thousand employees on campus, I'd probably specialize in Honda too. Yeah. Aside from in my garage. Yeah. Which already specializes in Honda. <laughs> it does indeed. Jeff, what, what, uh, here's what I want to convince you to do. We, we've, we've all have a mutual Edward Jones friend who, um, who does, <laughs> and, and he's going to laugh when he hears this, but uh, that does FMT classes. 
And FMT, FMT is, I have a love-hate relationship with FMT, but the, the premise is that you're going to be uh, like a college instructor and you're going to go out and teach a two-part course of four hours each, three hours each or two hours each. I can't remember the time. And you go into a university or community center or library and, and you just teach. There's no pitch. So if if seminars feel slimy to you, and some people just, they, they just can't get over that. They think there's going to be a sales pitch or a timeshare, which is not the way to do it if you want to have success. But if you want to do something that's really just completely full-on education, those are great ways. People pay to attend. Uh, they, they come in. And as a second part of the program, you offer them a lab session with you, and you have them come in and meet with you afterwards to to validate their plan. And uh, those can be really good ways to kind of get your toes wet on seminars. If you're just thinking about it. it's expensive, but it, there are so that, you know, there's so much success with it and uh, success leaves clues as we all know. And there's so many people that have made so much money and added so much value to people's lives doing it. So Jeff, that's what I want to, I want to, if I had to push you anywhere, that'd be the place I would, I would think you'd have a lot hmm. of success. And, and uh, so I've heard you guys talk about it and I still don't even know what it means. F M T. What does that mean? Uh, financial marketing, something. I have no idea. I don't know what FMT means, but they, they teach a, I don't know what their, what their company name is, but again, they teach a college education. And the cool thing it's done for you. They send you the, the slides, they send you the script, they send you the workbooks, everything's done. All you have to do is show up and talk about stuff you already know. And by the end of the session, the idea is even if you're terrible at speaking by the end of spending four hours with people, they, they like you like most of us are most of us have good personalities and can connect with people and that's what you do with these these kinds of folks you're gonna you're gonna be able to connect with them and you don't have to worry about all of the other reminders and all the other stuff that's out there it's a kind of a done for you system and I'm not pitching FMT because again I have a love-hate relationship with them but they but they are people that do it are incredibly successful for sure we, we know a lot of them here's the Bennett Here's the benefit too, Jeff, is you got people that are paying to be there. They're not, you're not going to run into the plate lickers and Jim and I can go into all that because we, (laughs) I can't, I don't know how many dinners that I've paid for, for people that were plate lickers over the years, but it's a lot, right? Moving forward. Exactly. (laughs) Well, and so I Google FMT and it'll come up and I'll find it. Yeah, and there's a there's a couple there's a couple um, there's a couple vendors in that space. There's FMT. I think there's Emerald that does passport to retirement, um, and, and I think there's one other one. I, I'll have to look it up. I can't remember off the top of my head. So there's not just one player in that space. And there's there's also people that they go out and they do these for a, a couple of years and they realize they don't want to pay FMT the fee, so they they kind of develop the workbook and the program on their own. So there's uh, but I think if you're going to get started and you don't know anything, a done for you system is really good, like really good. And it, and it's completely non-salesy. That's the best part about it. So, so for people that just, they can't get over that mental hurdle of, um, of doing a seminar and they feel like I don't want to be a salesman. I don't want to be a timeshares person. Then this is a great, a great fit for them. And, and so, um, is that the one where they require you have it at a community college or university or something? Is that right? They kind of dictate the venue library, community center, community college. Okay. All right. And so you start with them, you go to them, send them the money, then find the venue. Is that how that works? They will, their sales reps will look it up for you. Do they? Okay. So they make it easy, but they don't, because they also 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I just say, but they don't book you. They will. They will tell you places to go, but they will. You have to do the legwork. Yeah. Okay. When I talk to them, and I don't know if this is still true, though, they do give you an exclusive territory. They do. So if you pick a particular university, no one else is, once you're booked there, no one else is allowed to do it within a certain radius um, until you, until you stop doing it on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And they have, uh, they have, they have two programs. Uh, they have a one for folks who are pre-retirees and then another one for f- people that are retirees. You can't do both. You've got to select one or the other. And Brad's right. You do get a selected territory. Uh, but I would encourage anybody doing it to go out and uh, understand the venues first, because not every college is going to let you in. Like Some of them are very resistant to the idea of doing it. So you, you probably need to do a little due diligence before you, uh, you stroke that check. I know that um, my local university, and I actually, it's probably three blocks from my office, and I I don't do them. I looked into it years ago, and I I didn't because the university that's right next to my office already has someone um, that does them. And I know that he advertises, and they have like, um, the college has an adult, like an adult ed program. Continuing education. (laughs) Yeah, where you, I mean, you can do anything from like learn snorkeling to a financial seminar to uh, anything. And they advertise all of these in like a, a booklet or a flyer in the community on the on, on the college's dime. So I don't know if that's a common thing that a lot of university does, or universities do, or if it's just my local one. But I don't know that marketing costs are are all that much higher than what FMT already quotes you. Cause they're going to do that too. Right. They get you the, uh, they get you the data on uh, you want to, you want to send mailers to, you know, $500,000 homes with hundred thousand dollar incomes within a 50 mile radius or however you want to do it. They'll pull all that for you. It really is turnkey. Yeah. They'll pull it. They'll send the invites. Uh, they'll process the checks when people mail it in, they'll do everything. And I yeah. think FMT, uh, almost every vendor or if Edward Jones has approved it, I am pretty sure that your broker dealer uh, will approve <laughs> this as well. And we, we all, we all know a, a guy at a wire that is, it brings in, I, I don't know, like $50 million a year doing this. Now he kills himself doing it. God bless him. But, but, yeah. uh, but these are, these are really successful. These are great ways to get your feet wet. And even make a career out of it if you uh, if you really want to get the seminar game. Yeah, I agree. All right, so I have three things I want to get to in the time we have left. I want to talk about conversion numbers, closing process, and then how we scale this down for newer people. So, um, so conversion numbers. What do you guys find? Let's talk about you. You mentioned half of one percent of five to ten thousand. That's who you get in the room when you're doing large scale numbers. Yep. And then of that, what does your experience tell you? You will become people that you meet with. And from there, people that will become clients. Jim, I'll let you go first. My numbers kind of vary seminar to seminar, depending on the topic. Um, but uh, but go ahead first. Educational events. At, so social security, uh, where we have a lower restriction. Uh, generally, we're going to have a 50 to 60% uh, people that sign up for appointments. We sign them up for four appointments at the workshop. That's I, I think it's really key critical when you have this. Otherwise you're, you're chasing people for months, trying to get them scheduled at a dinner workshop. It's 60 to 70%. The important thing to do is not to get a hundred percent of the people scheduled because you want to disqualify some of the people at the social security workshop. I say it very simply. If you have not saved at least $250,000 for retirement, your best option 
is to continue to work and grow your social security as large as you can. If you've saved over $250,000, I can most likely help you by creating a social security analysis or whatever our pitch is to get them to come in. So depending upon the workshop, we we look for a better conversion rate and we do schedule. It's, it's really critical, in my opinion, uh, to schedule people at the workshop for appointments. Otherwise, you are just chasing people forever, especially if you do one a month or something like that. You, you're going to end up having 100 people after three months where you're chasing them constantly. Jim, not to interrupt, but how are you doing? I know others that do it. I'm curious, how are you doing or how are you handling the scheduling at the on-site at the workshop? Yeah, it's a great question. We're very, we're very sophisticated. So we've got a, a yellow Obviously. sheet, which is an evaluation sheet, which people can tell us how we're doing. They can rate us. They can let us know if they want to meet on, for a complimentary appointment. We let them fill that out at the end. And then about two minutes into filling it out, I ask them to flip it over. And on the back is just a calendar with all the dates we have available for the next two weeks. And uh, we ask them to go ahead and select their first selection and their second selection. Our assistant or our team will get those, uh, get those back. And then they'll go hand the person an appointment card while they're, while they're dining and finishing up their dinner. That's creative. I like that a lot. Works really when well. I, when I started doing that, my numbers went up. It cut down on a lot of the chasing of these people because all the follow-ups, oh, I don't have my calendar with me or everybody's got a cell phone. You know what your calendar is. So, so anyway, as far as the chasing, um, you, you got to kind of strike when the iron's hot, so to speak. So you got to, you'll have a lot better success if you can get those appointments scheduled that, that same day while it's fresh in your mind. And I think it's like every hour or every day that you're following up with somebody, the chances of getting that meeting book just kind of fall off like dramatically. So. Yeah, somebody, a, law, a lawyer, a friend of mine, actually during his presentation, he would strategically put his assistant in, literally in front of the door to create a barrier <laughs> that the people had to get past. Um, and he said it all felt, I mean, it, it wasn't a threatening thing, by the way, it was just like to make it easy for you. She's going to be right by the door. Um, and he, his, his booking rate went up, it skyrocketed just by creating that little bit change in the physical dynamic. So I, I was actually going to ask that Brad exact question. Yeah. Um, and so the last one is, you know, uh, cause that's the two things I wanted to talk about, but then the third, okay. So many of the people listening to this don't have the good fortune of having a bunch of excess revenue coming in that they can throw a bunch of money at this kind of thing. So uh, whether or not you did this when you're in the early stages of your career, or if you were steering somebody that was, how would you scale this down to be appropriate on the spend side to actually make it worth their time and effort? Any of you, and maybe Brad's the best one to speak to this, but any of you. Yeah, I mean, uh, my my way of getting people in seats is pretty cost effective, but it also assumes that you already have an existing um, kind of niche to to market to, which probably people in the business won't. So, I would think a way to to scale things down is it, at very least do some type of lunch event, lunch lunch and learn, however you want to scale it. Just because, I mean, the cost of the meal is going to be less. Restaurants or or venues are going to be have more open slots that you know they will be looking to fill downtime anyway. I think it'd be easy. It's probably easier to fill seats at a lunch and learn also, because I mean, that's kind of an upgrade probably to what most people do um, for lunch during their work day, right? Rather than going to the cafeteria or running for fast food, like, Hey, I'll go for this free lunch at a decent restaurant. Whereas 
for a dinner, dinner seminar, you know, you're taking people out of their homes away from their family, maybe to come and hear you. So if I, I, I think, I, I mean, I've never done this, but I would think that a lunch and learn would be a way to scale it down and make it cost effective and give it a Jim, try. Jim, what would you say on that? Yeah. Um, I, I think, um, I think you've got to have a marketing budget no matter where you're at in your, your business. Obviously, this is not right for somebody who is, uh, has got 10 clients or has just started. But look, if you're, you've got a $20, $30 million book, you're, you're creating some revenue. And, um, and, and I think you need to start somewhere. And you need to reinvest back in your business. So I, I never really bought into this idea. People can't cash flow this and do it. You know, I, when I started Edward Jones, I started doing. Uh, I, you know, I guess the old joke is, what's the difference between a, a twenty dollar bill and a new advisor? Uh, a twenty dollar bill can buy a family of four a dinner or a pizza or something. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I just had to make sacrifices along the way. So I just, got, I, I think you need to roll up your sleeves and figure out what the heck you want to do with your your career. And you know, a lot of times we we we're, we kind of don't eat our own cooking. We uh we want to take all the profit out of the business and not reinvest back into it. And uh, you know, stop that. You know, figure out what your what your revenue is or what your income is, and and allocate some money to it. And I think. If I were going to do it, Jeff, I probably wouldn't start with a high-end dinner restaurant. I'd probably start with an educational event. I'd figure out a way to get $30,000, $40,000 together and do FMT, where I would do social security. I mean, you can do, I think you could do 10 social security workshops for less than 50 grand. And I, I know that's a mountain of money. I get it. But again, um, you know, think about what, what, does a, what does a million dollars of AUM wrapped at 1% create? You know, like that's what we're talking about. That's what you're, you're, you're trying to grow your practice. If these things are going to create revenue for you long-term, so reinvest back in yourself. That'd be my advice to the new people. Right. Um, you know, you can also, if you're newer, but you have, if you have some assets, you can reach out to strategic partners for, and tap into their marketing budgets, whether it's a, a, a wholesaler or an FMO or, a, or whatever. A lot of times, you know, they will support your marketing events. They know where you're getting your assets, which in turn become their assets. And all you have to do is ask. And lots of times you'll find willing partners. And I, I know I did that at the beginning of my career. Yeah. yeah that, that's the, you know what? It's a topic I didn't ask about. Do you let the product guy speak or not? No, Never. Not. Never. No. Their job is to sit in the back and smile pretty. <laughs> they so want to get up on stage, by the way, and but they'll steal your thunder. You're the star. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Greg, how do you scale this thing down if you're if you're new? Yeah, I think uh, you know what I did this last year is a good idea. You know, you know, find a, a Medicare person if you want to present on Social Security. You can split the cost with them. Uh, you're gonna get you're gonna get a, a big turnout there. But yeah, you're not going to be able like you have to come up with some kind of marketing budget, and you got to invest in your own business. When I started out, yeah, it was doing it was doing business fairs and senior fairs. And you know what? Senior fairs, what do they want to talk about? Retirement, social security. Um, hey, I got a flyer on social security if you're interested. That table cost me like a hundred bucks. So yeah, you're not going to be able to send out these huge mailers in the beginning, but you might start with one seminar. Then you go, okay, then that was a good ROI. Then I'm going to go to two seminars, then three, and then just bigger and bigger. So uh, it's you got to work it though. You can't just, uh, for the people that think, oh, I'm going to do one seminar, like Jim said, it's going to bring in 10 million. It's not. It's like, you know, uh, grain by grain, a loaf, brick by brick, a castle. And, you know, I do a seminar and I may get, you know, one client, I may get three clients, I may get zero clients out of it. 
But if you do enough of them, it's a game of numbers. Uh, Nick Murray said if he had to do it over again, he would go door to door or cold call people and just invite them to a seminar. Hey, I'm doing a a seminar on retirement income planning. Is that something you'd be interested in? Um, So just don't quit. So. Good, good thoughts. Yeah. In anything else, uh, guys, closing comments? I think that we should do it. I think this should be a, a deep dive breakout at a Century Club mastermind. Uh, and at some of these processes could be laid out very specifically, I think. Yeah. And, and it, it is cr- incredibly process oriented. I've had, um, I've had people come and watch the process. It's not hard. It's just the process. Yeah. Jeff would love it because he is very process oriented, but, um, but yeah, you, you've got to get it all set up the right way. So this is, this is something that we'll, uh, we'll dive a lot deeper into with our, with our private group, but it's uh it's a big deal. If you can yeah. do it the right way, uh, you could bring in 10, 20, $30 million of assets a year easily. I, I know people bring it in way more than that, but uh, I'm an average guy in this business. So I think that if you can, if you can do it uh, average, you can bring in 10, 20, $30 million if, if you commit it, commit to it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Well, th- this was great guys. In case anybody's wondering, this was not staged. I'm actually asking these questions and I actually don't do seminars. So <laughs> I, you, you have found a way to motivate me, you all. So this has been helpful for me and hopefully for the, those that are listening. So, uh, anyone listening, if you could do us a couple of favors, Number one, leave us a five-star review. That's appreciated. Um, and then the, your friends in the industry, um, the both that are below where you're at and above where you're at or at the same level where you're at, share uh, our podcast with them because um, we really are doing our best to uh, get to the point, provide good value, and hopefully uh, be a little bit entertaining along the way. So if, if you could give us a good review, share the podcast, we certainly would appreciate it. Uh, and let us know your your thoughts and and other subjects you'd like to uh, have us speak on, and we'd we'd be happy to do that in the future. And then also uh, check out our website, thefaedge.com, thefaedge.com. So thanks for joining us, and uh, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.